the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. It could be a time for you to do your best. That was Roger Altmeyer. It is only in our darkest hours that we discover the true strength of the brilliant light that shines within us that can never be dimmed. That was said right before World War I by a very smart guy who I'll leave to your imagination. And then finally, Winston Churchill. He walked on the stage at Oxford University and gave the shortest speech uh, at commencement ever in their history. He stood up in front of the, the class and said, I will never fail. I will never quit. We will never quit. I will never quit. And he walked off to a 20-minute standing ovation. This is a Smart Investor Show, folks. And, uh, look, I, I just want to mention a few things about our website. You go, go to WHK 1420 AM uh, on your computer and uh, go over to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes. You can go directly to my webpage. And, uh, first of all, you know, uh, we, we did win the J.D. Power number one in full-service brokerage firms. And people are wondering uh, why uh, anyone would use a full-service brokerage firm. I'll tell you, we got better ideas than, than anybody at Charles Schwab. I'll put that right on the table. And I also think that uh, uh, I've had several new clients come on board just recently, and we have executed much better than they do. And I could go into detail on that, but I won't do it on the radio. But on the on the website, if you go to Insights, there's a couple things I think you should take a look at. Insights is on the top banner. First of all, you know, there's a bulletin board right below that that has Bob Dickey, who was our head technical strategist. Uh, he has some really, I mean, you, if you look at the big picture, sometimes you're a little bit more, you know, you, you understand a little bit better. He looks at the big picture, all right? You know, uh, he's made some great calls in that in that thing, and uh, we're going to talk about one of those today. But on, on in Insights, there's exploring international markets because I'm starting to see some signs of life there. And remember, I talked about the dollar, and the dollar is important, but the dollar has not been going up, and it's been weakening. The internals have been weakening, all right? The other thing is, uh, you know, opportunities and in fixed income in, in zero inflation, in a zero inflation world, or zero, uh, um, we should just say zero interest rate world, <laughs> all right? We're going to talk about that, too, in, in a second or two, but... Look, uh, we ha we have a whole bunch of stuff that you can get. Uh, the business owner's guide to transition planning, I, I highly recommend it. Especially if you're selling your business, uh, you know, I'm telling you, there's people who pay more for your business than private equity. Count on it. We also have the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. What better time to take out debt? All the major corporations are because they realize they only have to pay back two percent. All right. And if you can't make 2% on your investment, then you shouldn't be borrowing money. But 
you probably can. Okay. So, uh, also the family inventory workbook, you know, the, I think the, the, the COVID-19 crisis just told us that we have to get organized. We have to be financially organized. Now the wealth plan allows you to do things. Uh, you know, I talk about this constantly. I've told, I've talked to all my clients. I've sent letters, etc. The wealth plan is interactive folks. It allows you to change things right away. Okay. So you can take a look and say, huh, you know, maybe and the market's crashing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I, I get a copy of that and I come and I talk to you and we, we talk it out. Okay. Cause sometimes uh, I think my clientele and some of the people I've been talking to over uh, get too ex- ex- enthusiastic on the upside and too, too enthusiastic on the downside. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of my clients, she said, I was, a, I was cold hearted. And I said, well, who better to manage your money? <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Anyway, the S&P 500 increases two-thirds of the time in a president's fourth year with an average gain of 5.2%. Isn't that interesting? And in 2002, China's e-commerce penetration rate was one-fourth of the United States. Today, it's at 36.6% penetration, while America lags behind at 112 It'd be hard to keep a, I think, Democracy would be on the way, if, you know, because the Chinese, you know, the the uh, communist government there, with that much penetration, they better be on the ball. Maritime transport is essential to the world's economies. Over 90% of the world's trade is carried by the sea. And it's by far the most cost-effective. It's also, by the way, the, the most polluting. <laughs> but that's the way it goes, you know. Uh, now, I would say a couple of other things uh, that are I, I think are fairly important. Uh, number one, we have two guided, uh, two portfolios. And if you'd like, you know, if you go to uh, WHK1420 and go down and you're on my webpage and you'd like to have a conversation with me, uh, look, I, I'm meeting some people outside, you know, while the summertime's going and we're, we're going to sit eight feet apart and we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're going to probably use masks too. And uh, that's the way it goes. All right. So, but I, I will say, our guided portfolios, uh, you know, there's some really good ideas right now, right now in our prime income list and our dividend growth list. You know, when stocks pull back, that's when you want to buy them. You shouldn't get frightened to pull back. You should be, you know, if, if you know the fundamentals and the stock pulls back. Now, look, I'll, I'll look at the technicals for you. Don't worry about it because that's what I do every day. All right. So, but there's some, there's five names on the prime income list. There's five names uh, or six names on the uh, dividend growth list. It looked perfect. Uh, we've got, I've been starting to look at some of the ADRs, you know, some of them are down far enough and, and the all cap growth portfolio got quite a few in that area. It looks really, really good. If you like those lists, like I said, you just, you know, if you go there, uh, there's um, a, uh, you know, contact me or email me uh, and we'll, we'll gladly send those out. Now, one of the things that uh, the Financial Times said this week is that how do you invest in safe havens when safe haven assets might not be safe? Okay? So if people don't understand a few things, but uh, look, the debt continues to trend higher. Our national debt, our corporate debt, it's much higher than our total GDP at this point. Uh, you know, the percent percent of GDP, our debt is now up to about 244%. And uh, that worries me a little bit. I'll tell you why. First of all, you know, debt's a drag if if things start to turn. 
And look, we've been in a deflationary period, which is great to own debt. But when you come into an inflationary period, we're going to talk about that in a second, you've got to pay very close attention. So worldwide debt reached $191 trillion at the end of 2019. And according to the Bank for International Settlement, that represents 6% year-over-year growth and pushed global debt to GDP to 244% from 233 Okay, So there's a lot of debt out there, uh, a lot of debt out there. And that's something that I think uh, – you know, if if I well, let's just put it this way: one of the, you know fixed income investments, and what I mean by that uh, are CDs, bonds, municipal bonds, you know, whatever. Okay, there's reinvestment risk to those. Okay, so fixed income investments typically have less risk than a lot of the other investments, but that's not to say fixed income is devoid of risks. In particular, many investors seem to be acutely aware of interest rate risk yet blissfully unconcerned with reinvestment risk, a hazard that has been unappreciated for decades. What do I mean by that? So when your D- CD comes due, you know, you, you, may, you may have got a CD at 3%. It's now at a half, right? That's a problem. So interest rate risk refers to the tendency of fixed income assets to decline in the market value when interest rates rise. So we are at the lowest level in the history of America, maybe in the history of the world for interest rates. Chances are, over the next 10, 15 years, they're going to rise. And when interest rates rise, your bonds or your, even your CDs, that's why they, they charge you a penalty to get out of a CD at a bank, because they take the investment rate hit. Okay? They don't want that. They want you to take it. <laughs> the bank wants no risk. That's the way it is. Okay, But it's coming, folks. They're, they're sending a lot of money out there. They, they just filled the world with dollars for the second time in 10 years. All right? So you're looking at a situation where there's lots of dollars out there, which means a word we haven't talked about in a long, long time, inflation. Okay? Now let's talk about that real quickly. I'm also supposed to say this is a live show. It's, if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. So we can answer any questions. It's 216-901-0945. So this is some of the things I've seen, my friends at Dorsey Wright seen, Rob Schleimer seen, Bob Dickey seen, okay? The CPI was in a 10-year downtrend. That's the Consumer Price Index, folks. It broke out, pulled back, and now has turned a leg up. That's interesting. No inflation? Chips, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Here we have a situation where they're just about to break a triple top. Hmm, maybe some of the big-time uh, bond investors are thinking that there may be inflation. Inflation, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities, or TIPS as they're called, they move their interest rate up every quarter so that your principal is not at risk. Gold broke a triple top this week. I'm going to talk about that in more detail here. The dollar is holding, but the internals are slipping. The VIX is still high. The QQQs and the NDX are extremely overbought. International stocks, the momentum ETFs, are, are starting to pick up. And co- what we call Dr. Copper, <laughs> or copper in itself, what we call Dr. Copper in, in the business, will break a triple top at 268. No inflation out there. Hmm. So investment risk may be a problem coming up here. Now, look, we've talked about 
uh, patience a lot. And, and the savvy investor understands that despite an average inter-year drop of 13.9%, U.S. stocks posted positive annual returns in 29 of 39 years. So be patient, okay? That's what we talked about. Now, I, I often recommend books. And uh, we had Mark Mahaney and Alan Zukin on the other day. Alan's going to be on Monday. Monday. Uh, these guys are brilliant analysts, by the way. They really know what they're doing. But they, they talked about a conference call that was with Alex Krantrovitz. It's Krantrovitz. He's the author of Always Day One, How the Tech Titans Plan to Stay on Top Forever. I really recommended it. I, I started reading it this week. I highly recommend it. So these guys, you know, they think differently. Their CEOs think differently. They, they have idea generation, creativity versus execution. They don't care where the idea comes from. It's a constraint-free hierarchy. Uh, you know, they want democratic invention. Amazon's big on that. And, and culture and feedback is the constraint-free, okay? But it's a great book. Highly recommend it, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Now, our friend Tom... Uh, Lee at uh, Funstrat, uh, he, he took a road trip uh, to see his father in Michigan, and he just gave us a heads up on the COVID thing, and he remains a global crisis, and he realizes that many people need to keep up with COVID-19 developments uh, since we're moving to a critical stage, what he calls it. But from a healthcare timeline, what he says, the past three days have been the worst since early March, and we have seen back-to-back record surge in Texas. Uh, Disney delayed its opening, a few things like this. And, and this is quite interesting. Uh, but look, I think if you look, the S&P 500 is holding its 200-day moving average, and the 50-day is actually turning up. So that's kind of interesting. And he also thinks that the real position for the market, investors, have, he doesn't think they need to sell because he thinks there's, there's a lot of investors, investors who, number one, aren't comfortably long, and there's a ton of cash on the sidelines. It's amazing. This week, the, the American Association bulls, a bears thing is negative 25. That's one of the, it's a third worst reading since the great crash of 2020. And it's one of the top 10 bottom ones since the crash in 1987. So think about that. Retail investors age six, uh, less than 60 are as bearish now as they were when the COVID was burning down New York city. So if investors are already bearish and sitting on the record cash, downside moves are, are just not that dramatic. Now that I, uh, I think a healthy consolidation could be good. Don't get me wrong. And I, <laughs> but uh, there you go. Of course, uh, another reason for the stock may not be tanking is the case that figures matters less, but the death of hospitalizations, we're having less than those. Uh, by the way, you should read the CARE Act. You know, if a hospital says that they, they have COVID patient, they make a lot more money for than a non-COVID patient. So I'm just wondering, you know, what's going on. But anyway, if you look, it's, we're not having a second wave in deaths. We're having a second wave in uh, a small second wave. It's a tick up, okay, in cases. That's the big difference. So um, remember, uh, Singapore was lauded as the model nation uh, and they had it well contained. Well, you know, their case cases are up to 7,200 cases per 1 million, actually higher than the U.S. at the moment. Hmm. So there we go. All right. So uh, now – he thinks what you should be doing is looking at the epicenter type portfolio. All right. Uh, and, and that's what I think is interesting. And, you know, he's, he's looking at the epicenter areas. 
So, you know, he had some ideas like in the restaurant area. He had some ideas in oil. He had some ideas in the industrials. And he, he, looked, he likes the financials quite a bit. So those are some of the things he's thinking about. And, and um, you know, so we looked at the U.S. daily cases and they, they flipped up. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we had a new high, prior high. Uh, but uh, he said the imported cases could be the factor. Okay, so uh, there we go. So uh, it, he doesn't think it's a second wave yet. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, he's talking about a V bottom, and uh, you know, and he talked about six or seven states being the the, the major problem. Uh, doctors have been seeing too much focus on rising COVID cases, too little on declining severity and hospitalization. That's the other thing he talked about quite a bit. So uh, anyway, you know, th- those uh, he, Bob, I mean, uh, Tom has been very, very good. Uh, as, as far as uh, that is concerned, you know, it's amazing. Our oil strategist, uh, Michael Tran and Halima Croft, you know, they said despite the recent increase in the COVID infection rates across large regions throughout the U.S., our real-time geolocation data has, to, the, to this point, not suggested a material change in the broad social behavior of vehicle traffic. <laughs> so it continues to improve. International flight traffic it continues to improve. So we're getting more back to normal than people would uh, anticipate. So uh, we are starting to see traffic congestion for the first time. We see people returning to work, returning to shopping centers, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, um, how, uh, you know, do we have the wisdom of crowds as it is. Hey, we're going to take a break. Remember, if you have a uh, question, it's live. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. see what Lori Calcavina, our head strategist, is saying this week. And uh, she, she expects the U.S. equity markets to stay choppy in the months ahead. And I think what's happening is that we've got over the coronavirus, and now we're worried about uh, the presidential election. <laughs> uh, and um, unfortunately, uh, you know, that's going to be with us for a while, uh, right up until the election day. And uh, the rebound has really stagnated under the news flow around the coronavirus, uh, which has become a lot more mixed, I guess, in that in that sense. Uh, I think it's been more, you know, hey, we're six months to the election, you know, uh, that's my opinion. But uh, the C-suite confidence is showing some early modest signs of healing, just so you know. But the further uh, healing may be dependent upon the outlook of the virus and uh, um I, I, you know, I don't know, but I, I just think that, uh, you know, you got the virus and the election now. So you have two reasons to go down. And institutional investors in traditional retail positioning remains fo- fairly subdued. So there's a lot of money on the sidelines is what she's saying. You know, evaluations are, are kind of a negative for the U.S. equity market, uh, you know, unless unless we are coming out of this. If we're coming out of this, then the valuations you have to take another look at, she says. But the economic recovery may be uh, already priced in, is what she's saying in so many words. And we continue to view the 2020 election as a major risk for stocks in the months ahead. And, the, you know, the Democrats are talking about raising uh, 
taxes and if you know if they were to win all three houses that some people are talking about uh it could be a catastrophe because i i in my opinion that'd be the you know marxist or socialist type government uh now we saw a number of reasons why recent underperformance of the u.s relative to non-us equities might persist number one was the dollar number two uh the valuation overseas is much cheaper than you know i mean the average uh european domestic stock is trading at 8.4 times earnings we're trading at 16. all right uh so you know it's cheap if the dollar starts to slide that means these these things will go up in value so you just uh you want to pay pretty close attention and then uh i also think that uh growth has survived another failed leadership challenge so Boy, they're just not giving up on these growth stocks, uh, and that—that's the reason is is because in a deflationary period you'll pay up for growth. But if I'm right, and we're starting to see a little bit, we're starting to see buds of inflation out there. I think uh, that would be a a problem. <laughs> uh, so I'll just leave it to that. Now, you know, Mitch Steves, who's our analyst for semiconductors, and he's made some fantastic calls, by the way. He had some takeaways, and I, I think this is interesting. You know, number one is the Trump administration. There's been new, numerous articles after the close uh, conflicted, as, as Peter Navarro suggested, his China trade con, uh, comments are taken out of uh, context. Now, he said basically the trade deal is off, and, and Mr. Trump said he, didn't, he hadn't heard that. So number two, the big thing that affected was Apple's new chips. Uh, it, Apple is going to use their own chips for their – Mac computers instead of Intel. Now that probably won't hurt Intel. And that, by the way, that's pretty. That was pretty much predicted six months ago. So it's not new news. Uh, I think Intel will be fine if um, uh, you know if they lose a couple other customers, things might not be so good. But number three, servers. According to TrendForce, uh, servers should grow at five percent annually this year. Uh, after the COVID nineteen, the server industry has been in recovery mode, and 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 most of the Companies ODMs have reported a 20% increase in orders as demand increases, so that's really good. Uh, the China chip investment, that's kind of interesting. There's an article from Semi Engineering highlights the, the recent moves in China. They include uh, SMIC shipping 14 NM uh, type up chips and uh, several other things that have occurred, DRAM products and all that, um, and the gallium nitrate and gallium arsenide chips are coming down, and also uh, – Adesto Technologies is being acquired by Dialog, and uh, so we're starting to see some acquisitions in that area again. And you know that could perk things up uh, quite a bit because uh, there's too many semiconductor companies out there. Simple as that. Uh, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I just think it's it's uh, you know uh, an interesting thing. Now we put out a piece this week, and I think it's kind of interesting. And I highly recommend it for those people who are listening. It's called Mobility Matters, and it's our third ride-sharing update. And uh, people hate Lyft and hate Uber, yet uh, one of the best analysts on the planet likes it. And I've noticed that several people have come in and uh, started to talk about it, you know. So uh, there we go. Now, a couple things that happened this week. Uh, I can get my machine to work. <laughs> uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, back in – well, right about this time last year, I I said to buy gold, and and a week later, Bob Dickey came out with a report and said to buy gold too. And 
Look, gold broke out to a new recovery high on, on Tuesday, and it looks like it's going to gain some more ground, I think, personally. You know, this is Tim Hayes' opinion. But if I look, uh, you know, Marty, uh, 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 Marty Prime, uh, Prime, I'm sorry, I always call him Prime. I'm thinking of John Prime. Anyway, uh, came out this week and he talked about his uh, Copic indicator. And, uh, you know, if you look, you know, this isn't, you know, gold's Copic indicator is where you usually bottom, not where you top. So I think things could get really interesting. And, you know, if if you look, we're moving away from a sell signal. If I look at the the PPO model, if you don't know what PPO is, you got to look it up yourself because we don't have time on the show. And then I looked at the I looked at gold versus the dollar. Most of the time, gold moves inversely with the dollar. So the last few months have seen them rise in tandem, which is interesting. So, uh, but the dollar index isn't going down. It's not really breaking out either. Uh, so I, I don't know what that means, but, uh, you know, the dollar is tendably a back, back above um, it's what they call, uh, it's, it's PPO, okay? It's an EMA is what it is. It's a moving average. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing. Now, gold versus gold shares. Gold shares are probably more correlated with the price of yellow gold than any other resource sector, obviously. So the situation is nice to see them in gear. And the bug index, gold bug index, uh, is characterized by the fact that the components do not hedge their price of gold. And that's really important because, uh, you know, the one thing I, I did see that I didn't like was there was a weak breakout because the gold bug index didn't break with it. Now, what I think may happen coming up here is if this start information starts to get out, uh, you know, if we're, it's trying to break out, uh, you know, the, the gold bug, bug index is trying to break out. And if it does, I think you're going to see all these, these people buy these half a dollar and $5, $9 gold stocks and ride them up. And these are all the, the kids that are getting on board uh, who think they can't lose money. <laughs> now, I did look at the, you know, like the GDX, and the GDX looks like, uh, you know, it, it's it's definitely trying to break out. And it's broke. It's actually broken above resistance areas. So if it turns up, it could be very significant. Uh, so I, I think that's the, the first thing I'd look at. Um, you know, I, I also looked at if, you know, if I didn't, and, and this is hard to do because, uh, you know, there's an equal weight S&P 500 and there's a capitalization weight. The capitalization weight, the bigger the company gets, the more it, it adds to the uh, the index. And uh, if you look at the sectors on an equal weight basis, the two that I see that are above their 200-day moving average, because there's only two, there's only two, and that's tech and that's healthcare. By the way, I know, you know, it, and it's not industrials, it's not financials. Uh, financials uh, look interesting, by the way, as compared to uh, uh, communication services where, you know, financials look com- interesting compared on a long-term chart, but not on a short-term. Uh, communication services was above their 200-day moving, now they're below. So if we look at these on an equal weight basis, it's healthcare and technology are the only two areas that are actually going up in this market. So if you're wondering why your portfolio isn't doing well, well, you know, part of the problem, I think, is, uh, you know, you're in a situation where a lot of the indexes or, a lot, you know, a lot of the sectors on an equal weight basis 
are below the 200-day moving average, which is not really the greatest thing technically that you can look for, okay? So, I mean, e- even if you look at the FANG stocks uh, that Kramer uh, on CNBC so uh, brilliantly uh, put together, and, you know, I, I, I like Kramer. He's, uh, he's a funny guy. Uh, but, you know, if you look at those, there's a bunch of these stocks that are duds, and there's a bunch of these stocks that are rocket ships. And, uh, you know, you can tell who they are uh, by the way they're doing it. But, you know, three of the three of the six stocks are rocket ships and the other three are duds. So uh, what do you do? OK. Um, anyway, I think, uh, you know, what most people are, are not talking about uh, is. Um, hold on here. Uh, Anyway, uh, most people are not talking about is uh, that that we're seeing momentum starting to turn down and the VIX is staying up. So be careful with that. Growth versus value is still intact. I do think everybody's bearish and there's lots of money on the sidelines. I can't see a big correction based on that. I will say this. The City Inflation Surprise Index did break out this week. So inflation starting to hit. We got might have a double top in the dollar. There's a lot of things happening that could cause inflation, and that would mean P.E. ratios would come down. Okay? So keep that in mind. Uh, the gold versus copper, it's, it's even, Stephen, right now. We'll see what happens. Bitcoin looks like it's trying to break out, too. I don't know. I'm not a big Bitcoin guy, and I don't recommend it. Uh, but I'm also seeing, you know, some interesting groups starting to have early outperformance. Stay tuned. Through the streets of Soho in the rain. Bill's uh, ZZ Top to start the uh, the new new program here. Uh, I think we have uh, Jr. on the line. Is that true? Jr., are you out there? Excuse me, I got a phone call. Uh, Jr. Hello. How yeah, are you? Hi. Hey. Yes, sir. I got a question for you. You're talking about inflation and uh, what's been going on the last six months. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, would not uh, real estate and art REITs uh, be a uh, possible fallback in that case as a inflation hedge? The problem is with COVID. Uh, you know, look, our building, for example, that I, I uh, work out of normally because I haven't been working there lately. Uh, there's yeah. 1,500 people in it, 1,500 people in it, okay? And it's owned by a REIT, by the way. Uh, it, it's, it's got naming rights for a certain bank. And there's only 28 people showing up daily. Okay. All right? Okay. So if you're in a REIT and they own inner city, uh, you know, properties, you got a problem on your hands. So it, yeah. you really have to be selective on your REITs. Now, there are some REITs, JR, that deal with, server farms that deal with towers, those type of things will probably go up drastically. Okay. How about uh, residential real estate? There's a couple in there. Now, you know, there was a couple of the residential real estate REITs bought some property and I consider areas that are not going to surge. <laughs> okay. okay. So you got to... Okay, so I think, you know, REITs are a great idea. Uh, I own several. I own, you know, the server farm one. I own the tower one. And, 
uh, actually two in the tower area. Uh, and I, I own one or two as quite speculative ideas. Okay. But the, the people know they're in speculative ideas. However, sure, sure. I think you really have to be careful of what you're buying. Okay. You got to know the top 10 properties before yeah, you go out yeah. and do it. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, REITs REIT did have a big run during the Obama administration because it was all about dividends because there was no growth. Sure. All right. Sure. So that's, some, that's something you got to keep in mind. How about hard right, assets? So, uh, hard assets, hard, real yes. estate. If you own the pro, if you own, say, duplexes or whatever, whatever. I mean, would that be more attractive? It, it, maybe, yeah. I mean, okay, I, you know, I've got a lot of clients that uh, I, I have, like six, seven clients that uh, own multiple, you know, multi-housing uh, units. Sure, and I bet you they sure. go up. They'll, yeah, they'll probably go up. Yeah, I would. Th- I would think so. Um, all right, yeah. that that was my question. Thanks, Tim. All right, thanks, Jer. Yep. Uh, Take by care. Way, Bye-bye. Question? Yep. See ya. Uh, if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to talk about the bullish percent in a second here, but I just want to let you know that I'm seeing a lot of triangle patterns. Now, triangle patterns is when you have a series of lower highs and series higher lows, and it becomes a triangle. And if whatever way it breaks, usually there's a big move from that. And I'm seeing a lot of these, so it'll be interesting to see if that continues. But I tell you, a lot of it's in biotechnology, a lot of it's in healthcare, and some of it's smaller technology. Small cap technology looks like there's a lot of money being sent there. So, um, by the way, Mark Mahaney and Matt Hedberg at our place have great ideas in the small cap world. I've been starting to, you know, uh, add some of these. As, you know, like, you, know, you want to fill your port- portfolio with these things or anything like that but they're good ideas that give you that extra 5%, 10% that you won't get from the market, okay? Now, we talk about the bullish percent every week. It's our uh, investment guide to risk, okay? So what this this was designed by a guy in the 30s, and what he wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. So, look, we just were at 80, and it goes from 0 to 100. When you get over 70, that's that's when things are too hot to handle. That's the red zone, okay? So we were at 80 a week and a half ago, all right? So when we get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying in their beer. That's when you should be greedy. We had one of the greatest buying opportunities in history back in April, and I shouted it across this radio show for three straight weeks. We were at five on the bullish percent, and people were selling their portfolios out to cash. Unbelievable. Uh, I had a couple people just call up, say, sell me out, and hang up the phone. I couldn't believe it. You know, you can't argue with because when they tell you to do that, I got to do it. All right. Uh, it just made me crazy. Uh, and, and by the way, I also talked about a correction from February. Well, last week of January through through February, I talked about overbought, overvalued, overbought, overvalued. OK, so anyway, right now we're uh, we finished Friday at sixty five point two percent. We're down six percent for the week. Uh, we're in a column of O's. So the other thing about the bullish percent is a column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. Column of O's, you take the defensive team on the field. Just remember, stocks go down faster than they go up. It's that simple. Okay, so you got if you have a stock right now that you don't, you know, you're not high on, uh, or you just want more cash, you know, maybe now's the time to sell it. I've got I've got some I'm very happy about my portfolios right at the moment, but I do have a lot of cash. I don't know what to do with it. But the over the counter index was actually up. 
So the small cap names, <laughs> small cap technology was up this week. Now, it's still in column of O's, all right? It wouldn't turn back up till 60, but it's at 57.2. It was up 1.2%. And the world index, remember, these weren't as overbought as the NDX and the QQQs, okay? That's what sent the New York Stock Exchange to it. You know, it's 50 stocks uh, straight up. And the world index was actually at 3.1%. It's at 54. It'll turn around at 56. So maybe there's, you know, I talked about international stocks, and I, you know, one of stocks mostly, but uh, so. Look, all the major bullish percents remain unchanged. They're in a column of lows. Risk is higher, okay, no matter what you say. The, the positive trend indicators remain unchanged last week, and, and they're at midfield in a column of Xs. The high-low indexes are uh, each – they're all residing above 90, so, you know, there could be a short, fast lookout below. Who knows? Uh, I looked at the major indices – and a few of them fell, what, 2% on Wednesday and then uh, uh, corrected a little bit further. But if I look at the style box rate rankings, okay, this is, you know, we just go by votes here. There's no subjectiveness. This is all objective. Large cap growth, mid cap growth, small cap growth, one, two, three. Small value, mid value, and small cap blend are the dead, dead last, small value being last, okay? So, look, the weekly momentum has been positive for 11 straight weeks on all the major indices and it doesn't last that long normally. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's usually six to seven weeks. So you know, you, you got to unwind. And I said that when we went above 80, that's a positive in the past. We've only been above 80 five other times and we've been positive 12 months later. Okay. So we've been, let me say it again. We've been positive 12 months later. Then we talked about the advanced decline line when it got to a 70%. We've been positive 12 months later. Don't get too bearish. Everybody's bearish. <laughs> it's that simple. And it's been the QQQs and the NDX uh, and the XLG, they've been up. Uh, the QQQs are actually up, that, up 17%. That's the only index that's real. I think the XLGs are up like two. Uh, or, no, they're up a half. Uh, so the QQQs, they've been shoving money into technology, technology, and the larger names are going up. And because of that, they got to keep going up, okay? Uh, if that reverses, that could be a big problem. And uh, like I said, what will reverse it? Inflation. Why haven't, we, why haven't the value stocks gone up at all? Because we've been in a deflationary period for seven, eight years, all right? So if inflation does, you know, pick, up, pick back up, uh, P.E. ratios will come down, okay? When inflation goes up, they're less willing to pay for future earnings, trust me on that. Uh, I noticed that the XLK, you know, which is the top performing uh, uh, ETF this year, it is up 14.4%. So, unfortunately, you can't have 100% technology in your portfolio. You know, uh, it just doesn't work that way. Now, the industrials are down 15.5%. So it's, you know, you've got uh, you've got information technology and communication services and consumer discretionary up. Uh, and healthcare is flat. So, you know, uh, most of this, the sectors have been, uh, uh, you know, down for the year. Let's put it this way. Healthcare, by the way, is the biggest improvement of the last thing. Now, here's what's really interesting. This week, we had 32 favored sectors. 32 favored sectors. Remember last year, we couldn't get over 11. All right. And so we had this big rally up and it was, so narrow that we could do anything about it. So what we're going to talk about here is the favorite sectors 
and the most overbought the stuff you want to wait on at first, and then we'll talk about the the, the most over uh, I mean the least overbought. But we're between 44 and 70. That's where all the sectors are. That's pretty amazing. All right. Remember, back in April, they were all below 14. Every one of them was below 14. All right. So you had a great buying opportunity then. But anyway, at 70, so fairly overbought weight on this stuff is internet, gaming, software, real estate, housing, and semiconductors. At 65, our financials, business, uh, medical stock, aerospace, auto, building. At 60 is uh, non-ferrous metals, biotech, electric products, protection services, chemicals, and machinery. At 55 is telecommunications, electric utilities, leisure, com- uh, computers, steel, force and paper products, drugs, textiles, and re- retail. At 50 is restaurants, oil, healthcare, and oil service. And then there's just waste management at 44. There's nothing under 30. Isn't that amazing? So uh, I-, I think that's big, uh, in my humble opinion. So I'll just leave it at that. We did have quite a few uh, stocks give relative strength buy signals this this week. And like I said, we, we are seeing some uh, international stocks start to pop up on this list, too. So, uh, you know, you want to start to look at I, I think you want to look at the momentum group. And I think you want to look at the ones that are uh, more uh, the bigger names out there, not the small emerging markets. Uh, they're be they're coming up. You know, they're doing OK, too. But uh, the, the, the bigger names look better. Um, I don't think we have much time left. So let's. Uh, go directly to uh, copper did break out so uh, we'll be looking at that uh, fairly closely let's take a break and we'll be right back Hey, I, I, I normally talk about insiders, and I'm going to, but I just wanted to uh, talk about relative strength uh, buy signals because we had quite a few. Uh, collector's Universe, by the way, relative strength is just the equal weighted S&P 500 versus your stock, okay? So if it makes a buy signal with that, that's a good thing. American Woodwork, Collector's Universe, sometimes these last a long time, by the way. Dan and her last a very long time. Innovo uh, Biomedical. Uh, United Rentals, a name we haven't seen in a long time. 21 Vianet, Vips Holdings, Flexion Therapeutics, On Semiconductor, Invite, Vista Outdoor, Mastercraft Boat Holdings, Beozon, Pet IQ, and uh, I'll just leave the rest of them for that. All right, so uh, at least we talked about it. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think it's uh, interesting to, to, to talk about this stuff simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, that they, they, you're – you can have these things last a long, long time. I mean, Dan or her, uh, open text, they, they've been on relative strength buy signals for 10, 10 years. There's been no reason to sell them for 10 years, all right? Uh, and we'll just leave it at that, okay? Uh, so what we also talk about is insiders, and uh, why do we do this? I talked about Imara last week, came out at 16. You could have bought it all day at 16 for two weeks. Uh, it just hit 58. Uh, I think it's down from 64. Also, tr- uh, Translate Bio, TBIO. We talked about it three, uh, well, four weeks ago at $8. It's now 27.30. So there we go. I did know Bausch and Loan, uh, Value Act bought uh, 943,000, 
at $19.24. Now, there is a problem with the Value Act, is that uh, Jeff Ubin, who's one of the top guys there, left and started his own environmental, social, and governance portfolio. So I don't know if Value Act is going to replace Jeff in any great way, but uh, we'll find out. I did know that Bill Ford, the Bill Ford from Ford, uh, did buy uh, Royalty Pharma. It's a new issue. Came out. He bought 1.5 million shares of 42 million, and he had some help. Uh, uh, Chris Height, who's a EV uh, executive vice president and vice chairman, he bought 70,000 shares. Uh, we had a director uh, named um, Mar- Mario Gulani, uh, who bought 50,000 shares for 1.5 million. We had, uh, 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we had Pablo Lergoretta, who's CEO and chairman of the board, buy 20,000 shares. I'd like to see the chairman of the board buy a little bit more. Then we had uh, Rory Riggs buy 15,000, and uh, George Lloyd, who's a very smart guy, buy, buy 11,000. So we had quite a few buys there. All right, so uh, that's, that's Royalty Pharma. Uh, it's a brand-new one. And Harold Hamm, probably one of the smartest guys, but I think he and Mr. Duncan, who died a couple of years ago from Enterprise Products, were two of the smartest guys in the oil patch. Mr. Ham bought Continental Resources, and uh, he bought it three times. He, he bought $1.3 million for $20 million, and he bought $1.22 million for $20 more million. And then he bought another uh, 911,000 shares for $15.5 million. So he, he took a big, big uh, slice of that. And Eric, Eric uh, Lakowski, who, is, who was one of the founders of Groupon, uh, stepped up to the plate and bought 250,000 shares, uh, which I thought was fairly interesting. Um, you know, very interesting, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and then uh, Bright Spear, uh, John Paulson, uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, you should look his name up. It's an exchange trade fund, but Bright Spear Investment Group, uh, John Paulson bought uh, not 647,000 uh, shares or $6.3 million worth. Uh, if you don't know who John Paulson is, uh, you should Google him. Uh, I also have several small names that uh, uh, Nat West, which is a biotech. We had four buyers of uh, 700,000 shares each. That's NK was a the symbol there, uh, which I thought was fairly interesting. And then Opco, we had also we had uh, six new buyers of about 20,000 shares. Remember the week before, uh, we had Dr. Frost who keeps buying this thing. He bought like 3.4 million. Jane Hasio, who's the head scientist, she bought, by the way, her assistant just bought 20,000 shares. Four others bought 1.2 million shares, and they just bought some more Friday, too. I think that's kind of interesting because uh, everybody hates that stock, and that's, that's why you uh, really want to uh, participate, I think. Uh, we also had a couple buys this week, uh, and these are smaller buys, but I think they're important because these are multiple buys. Uh, our Dellex, which is biotechnology, we had two buyers. Uh, well, David Mott, if you look him up, he's a director. He bought a uh, million dollars worth. Uh, and he's a pretty smart guy. And then there's a company called Biocardia. Uh, it, they did a secondary, and on the secondary, they had three of the directors each buy about $140,000 worth of stock. And uh, th- these are guys that own 10% positions. So, you, you know, you, you got to pay fairly close attention to that. <laughs> Uh, you know, when they buy that, it's only $140,000 each, but uh, it is a $2.50 stock for those of you who like that type of thing. So uh, uh, now, um, you know, I, I was 
well, I, I was looking at some of what Bob Dickey was talking about this week, and I think uh, you know, he, you know, he looked at things short term. He thinks they're kind of toppy. He said many of the major market indicators of stock performance and the short term bullish sentiment appear to be have peaked uh, for the you know at about a forty percent gain from the March lows. By the way, we said that here on this show. Uh, the indexes are easing back from somewhat overbought conditions, and uh, they were created from big gains in large cap growth and technology sectors. And, and along with uh, some large bounces in, in, uh, in a good number of stocks that we think are, have questionable fundamentals, by the way. Uh, so he said short term, we're topping. Inter- intermediate term, he's neutral. The charts and the indexes are suggesting to us that the indexes have peaked in June after bottoming in March. I agree with that. And I probably think we go sideways for a while. Long term, he's bullish. Uh, they, he considers the drop in March to be a contract correction within a long-term secular bull market of the past 11 years. And I, I think it only started a couple years ago, but, you know, that's Bob and I differing on something. That's okay. Uh, but I do think that, uh, uh, you know, I, I really think the, the market took, started to take off. And uh, by the way, Rob Schleimer agrees with me. Uh, and I think, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. It, you know, I, I just think we're, we're going to head up for a couple more years probably got a, a pretty long time uh, as far as I'm concerned. I think we might have 10, 12 years. But we do, uh, if you do look at things, uh, you know, there are some, you know, we're in a big zone now. Remember, we talked about the island reversals. Now, uh, Bob Dickey's very big on these, and I am too. Uh, Rob Schleimer's not so big, so uh, there we go. But we had a big island reversal. So we had three days back in April, uh, the, the 4th, 5th, and 6th where we gapped down and then we gapped up on the seventh. And then we did the same thing back in the first, uh, on the, I think it was June 6th. You know, we gapped up, we stayed up for four days, then we gapped down and we went down 1800 points. So we've made two Island reversals. And what I think, and what Bob thinks is we're probably going to spend some time digesting the gains in between those two levels. So that's around 22,000 on the Dow to around 26,000 and a half. All right. Uh, so I think that's where we're going to stay for a while. And, uh, uh, you know, um, I don't know if that's, you know, look, I'm not always right. Uh, nobody is. But, uh, you know, we're we're at that first support level, which is around 25,000 right now. And I think that, you know, if we if we break down through that, we'll probably see that 20, probably 2300. And then, you know, uh, if the worst things happen, we get to 2200. But uh, look, we, we came a long way. Um, we may not go down to those levels. We may just go sideways and we may digest the gains internally. All right. Uh, now, we also, one of the things that, I, you know, I talked to a couple of uh, gentlemen that I've known for years who really know their stuff technically. And they said, usually when you have a corrective phase of the uh, amount that we've had, there's a change in leadership. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> All right. So uh, maybe they're wrong too. So I, I don't know. But I just think that there's a, there's probably, uh, you know, we're in a situation where, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks could be hairy. You know, you, you, if your stock, you know, we're coming into earnings season. So if your stock has good earnings, you're probably in great shape. If, look, Nike, uh, you know, all these guys thought that Nike was going to show positive earnings. It was a pretty tough quarter for Nike. Uh, and it's it pulled back. All right. But look, I think the the COVID correction was larger than most of the last, you know, the the other pullbacks. 
Uh, but it's still at the, you know, if we go back to the bottom in 2009, it went, it just went back there. Okay. So, uh, uh, that could happen. Now, in the meantime, as I said, we've got several, uh, ideas, uh, that I think could be really good ideas in our prime income account and also our, uh, our dividend growth portfolio. I think these things could be, uh, really good ideas. All right, right now. And don't forget, uh, if you go to my webpage, uh, you know, in Insights, first of all, take a look at J.D. Power. We've done quite well there. But in Insights, we do have the thing on, in a zero interest rate environment where we can find some good ideas for you. And the other thing I would suggest is that there's a piece on international stocks. I think you better start to tune up on those a little bit. International stocks have been out to lunch for as long as I can remember. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I think those are two things that you can pick up from the inside. So you go to WHK1420, go to local podcast, down to Tim Hayes or Smart Investor Show, and then it, it gets directly to my webpage. And you can go directly to the website, go to Insights, and you'll find those ideas. If you'd like to have a conversation about your portfolios or about your investment plan or a wealth plan, ah, you don't have a, you know, Alice said that the treasure, uh, Cheshire Cat, which road should I take? Cheshire Cat, Cat said, where are you trying to go? She says, I'm not sure that any road will take you there. Wealth plan is interactive. You and I can be on it at the same time. Also, the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, the Business Owner's Guide to Transition. It's very important stuff. I'm, this is Smart Investor Hour. I'm Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.